Hello and welcome to the Three Towns podcast. I'm Matthew Abud. It's been just about one year since the enormous Black Summer fires, and this series is about how three local communities in East Gippsland confronted and responded to those fires. It's about some of the things that make communities unique and strong and how a disaster like last summer can bring this out. For this first episode, let's head up to Buchan in the East Gippsland Hills. So I'm standing above Buchan Valley in July, in the middle of winter. If you'd come up and stood here and looked around, it could almost seem as if the fires didn't happen. The paddocks are green from winter rain and the hills roll into the distance. Except you would have driven through kilometres and kilometres of burned forest to get up here. And if you looked around the hilltops, you'd see skeletons of burned trees all across the skyline. The regrowth is amazing, but the devastating impact is also everywhere when you start to look. Down below, Buchan Town is home to some 300 people. When you include the surrounding areas, that goes up to around 550. Most people, including me, know about the town and valley because of the famous Buchan Caves. It's a favourite tourist destination. There are farms all over the district, and it used to have a couple of timber mills too, but they closed in more recent years. The main street is quiet. There's a roadhouse, a general store, and the pub. Most of the customers are contractors working on the post-bushfire cleanup. Take a right and there's the kindergarten, the neighbourhood house and the rec or recreation reserve. I've come to find out how different communities experienced the fire, which covers a lot of ground. It includes how they prepared, how they responded on the day and how they're going now. Pretty much from early December it was always a question of not if the fire was going to come to us because we had four major spaces around us that had big fires um, and a huge amount of fire in the landscape. It was pretty much just a question of when then. Kate Hodge is one of the first people I meet up with. She's a member of the local CFA and the SES, as well as being on numerous local committees. For around six weeks leading up to Christmas last year, Buchan was surrounded by fire and they worked hard to get themselves organised. One of the things I wanted to ask about is what this preparation looked like. It's obvious to say that if a community is prepared, it has a much better chance to survive and recover. But what makes that work at a community level? DELP and CFA had done a lot of um, work with earth moving equipment to clear spaces and to try and make sure that um, in the town zones that there was as much fuel as possible pushed up and out of the road um, with some varied success in that. But for the most part... We had lots of mineral earth breaks, which just helped us to get opportunities where the fire slowed. You know, we'd had a lot of practice runs and we'd um, done a lot of work getting ourselves to a point where we were as organised as we could be. And when it, when it did eventually arrive, uh, most people were waiting. Buckens always lived with fire, even more so in the last couple of decades. And with each fire that came through, the residents of the valley learned more about how to prepare and how to respond. So if I think about it, my first major experience with fires was in either 1965 or 68. I'm just not sure where it was, um, but the fire actually came from Mount Elizabeth down 
towards the town and it burnt the chook house off the back of our house. So that was my first memory of fires here. And Brewer is the town's bush nurse. Her job means she has to pay attention to a lot more than just her own bushfire plan. As the towns learned from different fire seasons, the details of that job have changed over the years. Now, we worked really hard, probably for about five years, we've actually targeted a lot of, um, particularly the elderly or the less able people, to actually make sure they've got fire plans um, and to actually get them to think what the reality of that fire plan is. We've had tabletop exercise, we've had all sorts of things. Um so it's about having those discussions with them. How's your fire plan going? Have you revisited it? Have you checked what's changed? Um, because initially when they did it, they said, oh, the neighbour will come and help. And I said, well, you know, what about things like if the fire's coming, they need to protect their own stuff? Oh, hadn't thought of that. Oh, well, their kids would help them. Well, no, their kids aren't here now, you know. So it's talking and trying to come up with doable solutions um, because we've had a few fire events in a row. A lot of the elderly had realised, or the less able, had realised that, you know, there was value in perhaps relocating if the event was significant or if they were in the firing line, particularly those on outlying farms. Yeah, and people were more prepared in their thought processes. Um, certainly a lot of the families were more organised, particularly the ones from away that had to come and pick relatives up. I'd be saying things like, you know, OK, they're predicting this sort of weather for the next three days. The fire's predictability is to be here on that day what's the fire weather in your area because you know we might have had someone coming from Orbost that needed to pick someone up in South Bucken and you don't want to take them out of the fat into the frying pan which was some of the things that we had to think about um I know we had one particular person who relocated probably a dozen times over that period. Um, No belief that there was any danger for them, but was more than happy to go if it was going to make it easier for me not to have to worry about it. So, you know, and that's, you know, that's a trust thing that you develop over time. And pleasingly this year, a lot of our less able people were more than happy to leave they needed a bit of a shove but they actually left um which potentially it saved lives kate hodge also highlights the same thing how people's safety depended not just on physically fighting the fire but on working together across the whole community so i think there was very much a a collective goal to get organised and make sure that, um, you know, everybody had someone that was supporting them. There was also that need to make sure that, um, you know, that we had everybody um, covered as far as who their buddy was going to be, who was going to check in on them and 
and that there was going to be um, that opportunity to support people in the space. These are the kinds of things that really jump out to me. I think like a lot of us, I'm familiar with some of the measures a single household needs to take to prepare for bushfire. We have our own fire plan at home. But questions like who's your fire buddy or dialogues where people ask one another how will you react if things change this way or what about if they change that way? For me, these give an insight into how a community like Bucken has adapted over many years. It points to the level to which they are all prepared, not just as individuals but as a community. A big fire year was 2003, 17 years before last season's Black Summer. Many people I talked to in Buchan spoke about those fires as a marker, with a whole lot of lessons learned. I remember back in 2003 when we had seven weeks of being under siege and it was coming and it was going, depending on the way the winds were and the temperatures. That's Suzanne Davies, who lives half an hour north of Buchan in the hamlet of W Tree. In 2003, she ran the Buchan neighbourhood house, and back then, preparing a community for bushfire was very different from today. There was no mobile phones. Not many people could even get the ABC radio. We didn't have TV. The township had a little bit of TV, but it was always going wrong. You know, there was always something wrong with it. Because this fa- these fires were growing and growing, and because they'd come so close and then went the other way again, but of course they were going to other communities that we knew people there, so we were still worried about them. Um, I started realising that we really needed the communication um, for people to make their own decisions um, on a daily basis because things were chopping and changing all the time. So the, I thought of this... Well, W Tree had actually had their own little phone tree set up. And I thought, well, what a great idea. So I decided to set it up right across the district, and that's 12, 13, 12 communities, apart from Bucket, farming communities outlying. We have group leaders. Say if they were in town, they would come to the neighbourhood house, and the old photocopier would just, you know, nearly melt down over seven weeks. Um, of the information they would be handing to the people on their branch of the tree, which was their street or a couple of streets they'd take on. And the people that were in the outlying areas, I managed to get fax machines and we faxed that information, maybe definitely once a day, sometimes twice. Sometimes there was even a time when it was three times a day. And then they would get on the phone and then they would ring right through and then that last person to make sure would ring that person back so that that made sure that everyone was getting that information if even if they weren't home for suzanne one of the biggest changes during the 2003 fires was greater collaboration between agencies like the cfa and local community resources like the neighborhood house where she worked it was through craig lapsley and dave and a guy called david emprey and they were both working that stage in CFA communications team in Glen Waverley, they come to Orbost. I don't know how, must have been the Bush Telegraph, they found out what we were doing, I never said anything and I was too busy and I got a phone call from David actually at first saying that they're coming over with satellite phones from Telstra because Telstra was 
lending, loaning um, in the remote areas to people, the satellite phones. And they'd heard about what we were doing there. And could they pop in? I said, of course you can. I'd love to see you. They thought what we were doing was a really good idea. And then they saw the back room and said, could we have the CFA communications team? And I said, of course you can. Absolutely. So it was. The, um, they did. They set up uh, their own. And then we had all the... We had strike teams uh, all around the neighbourhood house. We actually helped them, but they helped us. It was together because we had local knowledge. Virtually everybody that we knew from Buchan, Murrindal, W Tree, Galanaby, Seldom Seen, Black Mountain, out to Beepalong, out to Timbara, Gillingall, Buchan South, all those communities. It was, it was an extraordinary time under very difficult circumstances. Phone trees aren't the main way things get done these days, with emergency apps and Facebook pages getting information out. But that doesn't make this story less relevant. The point is that the experience everyone had in working together and getting to know each other made the changes after 2003 more profound and far-reaching. Those changes included demanding and getting proper local mobile phone coverage. And they also meant increasing the role of community resources like the Neighbourhood House. Here's Anne Brewer again. Through the, the fire preparedness stuff that came out of those 03 fires, there was a lot of changes. So as a town, we developed up in 2005. We had our first community bushfire plan and we flicked a little bit of flood in there as well because we go from fire to flood to fire to flood. Um, we're waiting for the flood now because everything else has happened. Um, but we did that as part of a combined thing within the town, so it involved a lot of agencies. We've had a lot of licks of fire at Buchan over that time, and we've had a lot of time where we've waited, you know, six to eight weeks being told you're going to be burnt every day and it hasn't happened. And we were aware that complacency was starting to come in like it'll never come in, it'll never come in. Some of that's around the geography, a lot of it's around the history. Um, and, and if you look at fire behaviour, it's always been said that, you know, the fire runs up the hill it doesn't run down the hill and we're down doesn't matter which angle you come from we're down um and potentially a lot of the fires through history have gone from one hill over to the other hill and missed the valley Anne says she also didn't believe the town would be hit but she lives right on the edge of the township so she wasn't going to sit and wait to find out if a big fire reached her or not um, my plan was never to stay if, you know, the fire was this side of Mount Elizabeth uncontrolled and I had a sense of when I would need to leave, um, which I certainly did on that Monday morning. I just got up and went outside and came back in and said, I'm going now. Thanks for listening. Next time, Buchan faces the fire, and the community connections are again key to defending the town. I'm Matthew Abud, and this is the Three Towns Podcast. Mm-hmm.